collaboration terminated. Universities in China and Texas no longer working together. That's over national security concerns. But was the U.S. aiding China's navy? China, Washington's number one national security threat, or is it? We look at new data on the U.S. stance. Made in Mexico or made in China? Some Chinese companies are branching out and trying to steer clear of U.S. tariffs. China buying Russian oil. An anonymous Chinese ship owner spends hundreds of millions buying ships to move the fuel. And debate between three world powers over a Chinese surveillance ship. Some fear the vessel could collect military intel. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our research partnerships between American and Chinese universities providing for China's military. Related concerns prompted the termination of a climate science lab at Texas A&M University in December. Its cooperation with a Chinese university was deemed a security risk. Here are the details. The International Laboratory for High-Resolution Earth System Prediction, or IHESP, was formed in 2019. It's a joint venture between Texas A&M, the National Center for Atmospheric Research, and China's Qingdao Pilot National Lab for Marine Science and Technology. The three institutions had agreed to share funding, experts, and computing power to develop high-resolution climate models. Texas A&M didn't say exactly why the partnership was terminated, but a Washington Times op-ed piece cited concerns that part of the research would revolve around temperatures in oceans, information that could be used to hide and detect submarines. This amid fears of a possible Beijing invasion of Taiwan. In February, Senator Marco Rubio sent letters to 22 U.S. universities. Urging them to end their academic and research partnerships that could benefit Beijing's military. The U.S. submarine force is comprised of just over 70 submarines. All of them are nuclear-powered. On the other hand, China's submarine fleets will likely maintain between 65 and 70 submarines through this decade. But only about a dozen of them are nuclear-powered. The others are diesel-powered. Trade data from the U.S. Commerce Department suggests Washington's tech curbs on Beijing may not be as effective as expected. Let's take a closer look. Based on trade data, the U.S. Commerce Department approves almost all tech exports requests to China. Sales of certain critical technologies to the country have also seen an increase. Worth noting, only half of one percent of exports to China require a license, and nearly 95 percent of that half percent get approved. Most are high-tech exports. Because of that, the U.S. is still shipping technology over to Beijing, and some of those goods, like microchips in aircraft parts, may be helping China boost its military. But a top defense expert didn't seem to take issue with the export situation. The Pentagon's former top China export controls analyst said he had no problem trading with or feeding China, though he added he had quote a huge problem with arming China. Washington has applied export controls and sanctions to curb Beijing's technological expansion. Earlier this month, President Biden signed legislation to invest over 50 billion dollars in U.S.-based semiconductor production. Likewise, the Commerce Department says it's working with the Defense, State, and Energy Departments to manage long-term strategic competition with Beijing. Back in 2018, Congress passed the Export Control Reform Act. The rule was meant to keep a tighter grip on new technology. 
but critics say the progress has been slow. What's more, Congress no longer regulates other kinds of technology, like those needed to manufacture microchips. A United Nations report says Beijing imported nearly triple the amount of that kind of equipment from the U.S. in just four years' time. But that's not the only issue. According to a former senior commerce official, the lack of inspections on the Chinese side is also to blame. She explains that once the U.S. issues a license, it loses virtually all control over if or how the technology gets diverted. Taking a closer look at U.S. regulations, even though there are license requirements for some Chinese companies on exports, U.S. companies can still sell tech to them by simply making products outside the U.S. Remember those big tariffs former President Trump slapped on China a while back? Well, one way China has been avoiding them is by making things in Mexico instead. And it stepped up those efforts by 76 percent last year. Here's more. China is investing in Mexico in order to avoid U.S. tariffs, such as the 25 percent tariff former President Trump imposed on a wide variety of Chinese goods. We see them in, in the states of Nuevo León, Baja California, uh, Chihuahua, uh, Tamaulipas, all the northern border. Adrian Cisneros is the head of the Mexico office for law firm Harris Bricken. Cisneros says China is taking advantage of rules in the USMCA and Trans-Pacific Partnership trade agreements. We're going to have Mexican entities with Chinese capital, yes, but Mexican entities manufacturing Mexican products that can therefore benefit itself. China invested $606 million in Mexico in 2021, which is 76 percent higher than in 2020. China's investments so far play a, a, a minimal role. Enrique Dussel Peters is a professor at the National Autonomous University of Mexico. Peters says Mexico is a top foreign direct investment recipient and that China still invests far less than other countries. China's often has been investing mainly in the manufacturing sector, no? in auto Parts, automobiles, telecommunications, electronics, uh, historically and also more recently. No? Peters says this is because Mexico has been specializing in these things for the past 20 to 25 years. A lot of this is in what we'd call strategic investments, infrastructure, communications, ports, these areas that will give control and leverage over the recipient nation. Fergus Hodgson is the director of Econ Americas, a research firm that focuses on the Americas. He says China isn't just after profit, it also has expansionist ambitions. The leverage is becoming more and more apparent with the, the Chinese or Communist Party regime asserting itself and having an impact on local politics, including having let's say, trade zones within which they have a large degree of autonomy or, or jurisdiction. Over a thousand Chinese companies have invested in Mexico, and China has become its second largest import partner, behind only the U.S. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. China is still buying oil from Russia, despite sanctions from the West on Russian oil. A mysterious Chinese ship owner is also involved. He or she spent over $375 million to buy 13 tankers in recent months. The goal? To transfer Russian oil, mostly to China, with some going to India. The anonymous buyer purchased the ships indirectly through companies in China and Hong Kong. Those details come from Lloyd's List, one of the world's oldest and most authoritative media outlets for global shipping news. 
The outlet also called the ship owner cash rich. A Chinese surveillance ship is striking a nerve with India, a major U.S. defense partner in Asia. The ship docked at a strategic port in Sri Lanka on Tuesday. The port sits at a critical location. It's less than 10 miles away from one of the world's busiest shipping routes. It's also just miles away from one of the world's busiest oil transport routes. The path links two of the world's most important oil transit choke points, the Strait of Hormuz and the Strait of Malacca. And countries like China, Japan and South Korea depend on it for the bulk of their oil supplies. More than half of the world's oil is moved via fixed shipping routes like this one. And it's critical that these routes stay free and open, as the slightest disruption could drive up energy costs or delay oil supplies. On top of these, the port is also next to the southern tip of India. And the Chinese ship is capable of several functions. China's military uses the ship to monitor ballistic missile launches. The ship can also track satellites. China said the vessel is making a stop there to add fuel. But India remains worried. It says the Chinese ship is reportedly armed with advanced sensors, meaning the ship could spy on Indian defense facilities. What happens in our neighborhood, uh, any developments which have a bearing on our security obviously is of interest to us. Uh, I think uh, our spokesman had said some time ago that we obviously monitor any development uh, which has a bearing on our uh, interests. Uh, very, very carefully. India protested against the Chinese ship visit back in early August. U.S. officials also raised concerns. In response, Sri Lanka asked China to delay the ship's visit. But the vessel arrived at the port eventually. For Sri Lanka, the talk of war behind the ship visit is a symbol of its struggle between two giants, India and China. Both countries have been competing for influence over Sri Lanka. That's because, despite being a small nation, Sri Lanka sits on a crucial location. Complicating the situation is Sri Lanka's economic crisis. The country is saddled with debt, and China is one of its biggest lenders. Beijing has loaned Sri Lanka over $5 billion in the past decade. And now, Sri Lanka is hoping China will lend a hand. We hope and request China, our long-standing friend, to assist us in restructuring our debts and secure an IMF bailout as soon as possible and provide with some meaningful bridging finance. Sri Lanka also sought help from India. After Sri Lanka's economy fell into trouble, New Delhi gave it about $4 billion of financial assistance. India argues that Sri Lanka should not allow the Chinese ship to dock at a port this close to India. The nation also says it's closely monitoring the situation. Next, we'd like to address a question from our audience. Some viewers ask for an explanation on why China suspended immigration cooperation between the U.S. and China. The move has been seen as part of Beijing's retaliation after U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Let's take a closer look at what happened. The Chinese Communist Party canceled communication efforts between the U.S. and China in some areas. That includes dialogue on climate, defense, safety in air and sea operations, countering the illegal drug trade and criminal investigations. On top of those areas is immigration. 
That is, China now plans to stop the removal of illegal Chinese immigrants living in the U.S. and will no longer send them back to China. Different than cooperation over legal immigrants, which can benefit China, returning illegal immigrants to China benefits the United States. Coming up, Swedish fashion giant H&M rejoins a Chinese digital retail platform. Last year, the website removed H&M over the brand's stance on Xinjiang. And a U.S. congressman says the Chinese Communist Party should be classified as a transnational criminal organization. The host of the Epoch Times American Thought Leaders program sat down with him to find out why. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Swedish fashion giant H&M has reopened its official store on Chinese online retail platform Alibaba's Tmall. It comes 16 months after the Chinese site took it down, following the brand's criticisms of human rights abuses in the Xinjiang region. Here's more. H&M is back on Alibaba's Tmall e-commerce platform. The news comes 16 months after the Chinese site took it down following the brand's criticism of human rights abuses in Xinjiang province. Now the reopening was first noticed by Chinese users. It was then confirmed by a Reuters search of the platform. There was no comment from any of the firms and it wasn't clear what prompted the move. Tmall and many other Chinese platforms scrubbed all mention of H&M after it was revealed that it had pledged not to source cotton from Xinjiang. H&M was just one of many Western brands caught up in the dispute. Nike, Adidas, Burberry and Converse all saw Chinese celebrity ambassadors cut ties over their comments on the region. But H&M was the only one removed to such an extent. Since early 2021, it's largely only been able to sell online in China via its own website. The Swedish giant entered the country in 2007 and had more than 500 stores there by early last year. UN experts say over a million people have been detained in camps there. That's strongly denied by Beijing. Congressman Scott Perry says the United States should classify and characterize the Chinese Communist Party as a transnational criminal organization. He made the comment at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Dallas, Texas. Yanya Kellek, a senior reporter at the Epoch Times, sat down with him to discuss Speaker Nancy Pelosi's recent trip to Taiwan and how Beijing is exploiting America's strategic weaknesses. Here's what he had to say. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, landed in Taiwan, met the highest level officials in Taiwan. Um, the Taiwanese were thrilled that she was there, um, met with you know, mixed reactions and very, very strong, at least verbal reactions from the Chinese regime. So what's your take? So my take is, is that uh, I'm happy that America is representing itself in Taiwan and, and meeting with the leadership in Taiwan. Uh, um, I'm invigorated that China sees that. Look, everybody knows I'm not a big fan of the speaker or the speaker's policies. Regardless, the speaker speaks for the United States of America and the speaker went to Taiwan. That's a big deal. Um, 
While we don't have a treaty obligation, I think it's important that the United States not only signal, not only rhetorically, but in action, let the rest of the world know that we stand with, we stand shoulder to shoulder with free people, people that want to be free, people that have democracies, and, that, and, and people that reject oppression, dictatorships, and that type of totalitarian leadership around the world. And of course, it's front and center with China right there. So especially for Taiwan, who it's not just a rhetorical thing that you can say and you don't have to worry about someone an ocean away stealing away the things that you fought for and the freedoms that you have. It's right there in their face. Every time something like this happens, I think it's a good thing for the cause of freedom around the globe when America stands, stands up for, stands beside, stands with countries that, uh, that want to be free, like Taiwan. So there were actually, you know, threats from the state media, essentially the, the top of the state media, suggestions that their plane might be shot down. There are numerous things. That was probably the most extreme, saying that action will be taken. Um, what do you make of this? I think that, first of all, it needs to be a wake-up call to anybody in America that thinks that the status quo will always remain the status quo. And when I say that, that America the United States of America will always be the global leader. They just assume it because in their lifetime, that's how it's always been. But that's been paid for. There's been a big price to pay for that. And of course, the, the cost of freedom is eternal vigilance. And I think what they should recognize is, is that the Communist Party of China and their state media made the calculation that there was no downside, essentially, to threatening threatening the United States, which is essentially what is an act of war, right? You're shooting down, because that was the threat. You're going to shoot down the Speaker of the United States, Speaker of the House of the United States of America, that they made that calculation that there would be no downside or a minimum downside to that. And it's a wake-up call that, that it cannot be business as usual. We need to see the Communist Party of China for what it is. And, and we... We need to quit this, um, this viewpoint that they're a strategic competitor. China and the Communist Party sees the United States of America as their enemy, and they treat us as such. It's time we start acting like there's an enemy out there. Do you think that uh, there's any chance that this uh, you know, Chinese state media basically saying this in their official capacity is just someone mouthing off? No. There's nothing in Chinese state media that's not controlled by the Communist Party. This is, this is all by design. It is intentional. And let me say this, too. There's a reason it's happening, because weakness is provocative. And they feel comfortable. They feel comfortable doing it. They feel comfortable saying it, because they judge us at this moment to be weak enough that they can get away with it. I think it's an important thing to say that for decades it's kind of been a bipartisan approach has been to allow the Chinese Communist Party to get away with all sorts of stuff, whether it's, you know, building up, you know, these islands, dredging right. these, creating these a islands. A lot of in rhetoric, Sea, but yes. zero action. So I've been on the Foreign Affairs Committee since I came to Congress up until COVID-19. There were plenty of bills that were submitted to the committee for consideration for a markup, for a hearing. 
none of them ever came to, not one, not one in the entire time until COVID happened. So yes, both sides, because we were in the majority too. I was there when we were in the majority for a short period of time. We have, uh, we have been complicit in our own demise in this regard. The first, of course, the first uh, step towards, towards recovery and, and health is recognizing your own failure, failures and your own problems. We're complicit. What would be the geopolitical implications were the U.S. to say we recognize Taiwan as a sovereign nation? We don't know. We speculate based on the rhetoric of the Communist Party that potentially there will be a, a military incursion, that there will be punishment on economic terms to make potentially Taiwan to us. I think that the Chinese Communist Party is much more calculated, but I think that they're anxious and they want to move up their timeline, especially when they sense weakness. So I, I don't think that they necessarily would do anything rash. But here again, the enemy always gets a vote. They might be sitting calculating a whole different paradigm, and they might say, we're not going to accept that, and now we've gotten ourselves so far out on a limb that we're going to be perceived as weak unless we do this. And so I think it's very important that we have some caution here, and, and you know, I'm, I, I want to be careful how I characterize this, but you can push a, 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 an animal into a corner that's generally docile, but once it's in a corner and has to fight for its life, the, the, the composition, the character of that, of that animal changes. I, I think the prudent thing to do here is to not push the animal into the corner so that it has to fight its way back out. But it's gonna take a coherent strategy that all of us are on board with. All of us. It can't be the speaker's heading here, the president's heading here, Wall Street's heading here, and the, the Congress is headed, you know, half the Congress is headed over there. We've all got to be on the same page on this thing, and somebody has to lead it. And unfortunately, at the top, there's been a, there's been a lack of, of leadership, certainly during this administration, but to a certain extent on our own party. Now, I think that President Trump was taking the correct steps, but even as he was doing it, people within the administration were undermining him. That cannot be allowed to occur. There needs to be a consequence for that as well. And, and the people that are doing that need to be reminded, and unfortunately somebody's probably gonna to have to be the example, there's a bigger cause here. It is the cause of the sovereignty of the United States of America and of freedom around the globe. That is the cause, and there's gonna to have to be sacrifices made. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Thanks for watching, but before you go, here's a short glimpse into this Thursday's special report. Destroying a nation from within. That's the goal of the Chinese regime. One of the biggest weapons is something we rely on every day, our smartphones. In this special report, we look at how China's cyber attacks are going far beyond institutions. Now they're getting personal and changing our behavior through the very devices in the palms of our hands. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, Send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. 
The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.